Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Oh, Pater! Pater! Hi, everyone, and welcome to Pater, a Penn State football show. Along with former Penn State and NFL quarterback Matt McGloin, I'm Tom Hannafin. This show is brought to you by our sponsors, Funk Brewing, the official craft beer partner of Pater. We're big fans of Funk Citrus IPA and Silent Disco IPA, but don't forget our official beer, the Pater IPA, is still available right now in Funk's tap rooms. Funk has so many great beers to choose from at their tap rooms in Emmaus, Elizabethtown, and York in Pennsylvania. You can find a variety of Funk Brewing beers at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products must be 21 years or older to purchase please drink responsibly also bet online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season you'll always find the latest odds team matchup info player news and game trends at bet online and as your continued source for all sports wagering information bet online features live betting free contests and giveaways all season long always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, Major League Baseball's World Series, the NBA, the NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Pater is presented by BetOnline, where the game starts. Also, we invite you to head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.believ.com, and search Pater for our two t-shirts. One has the official show logo over the heart. It comes in white, navy blue, and black, and the other is a navy blue t-shirt. It has the Pater wordmark over the heart, and on the back, circa the 2012 Penn State football season, it has Matt McGloin's name and number. It's very fitting, as this season of Nittany Lion football marks the 10-year anniversary of that team. Again, head to shop.believe.com, that's shop.believ.com and search Pater for our two t-shirts. I want to thank you all for tuning in on ESPN Radio State College as well as checking out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network. It is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, hit us up on Twitter and let us know what you think of the show at ESPN Radio 1037, at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Uh, Matt, this is a first chance uh, on this show for uh, us to get your reaction to what went down this past weekend at Beaver Stadium, Penn State falling to the Ohio State Buckeyes by a score of 44 to 31. When you watched the game, what was your initial takeaway? Well, certainly frustrating, right? And and frustrating, really frustrating, Tom, at times um, because they're there. They're right there. And I, I was thinking of what you said last week on the preview episode and how they are a much better matchup in this game than they were going into that Michigan game. And after what we saw from Ohio State, I think Michigan beats Ohio State at the end of the year. I I really, really do. Uh, You know, it was 14-13, right? They went for the fourth down. They didn't get it. 23-21, sack fumble. You know, it was 30-24, at one point, Ohio State went right, right down the field and scored. Next play, pick six. Game basically over, right? You're there. The talent-wise, it's right there. It just came down to those certain moments, those certain situations, Tom, where ball went Ohio State's way. Penn State couldn't capitalize here, right? They couldn't make up for this mistake. They couldn't make up for that mistake. They couldn't hold, right? They couldn't stop, you know, uh, 
an Ohio State drive. You know, one of the things about Ohio State, and they've they've been doing this for years and years and years, and Ryan Day does a great job of it. It's capitalizing on momentum. It's scoring in spurts. It's that explosion of an offense and of a team where it's just like next thing you know, it's over, and and the game is the game is out of reach, and you know. You just, you know, obviously sitting here today and, you know, after you watch the game, you, you definitely do question some things that, um, you know, Penn State did offensively, um, you know, throughout that game. One of the things for me being was, you know, the, the continuing to go to those slip screens, Tom, those laser rocket screens against a team that, that, that has legit defenders up front that rush very hard, right? You, you're more better off going to a running back screen game. That's something Penn State hasn't done. They did it. They did it last week. Um, you know, the, the game before Ohio State, but, um, you know, it's just, it, it's frustrating because you know how talented Penn State is and they had every opportunity to win that football, that win that football game at home and change their year around. Now, unfortunately, when it comes to the East, they're on the outside looking. Yeah, in. it was three and a half quarters, basically, that Penn State was hanging with the number two team in the country. And um, the, the reason that, you know, you talked about it, the, the matchup, why I, why I like the matchup better than the matchup against Michigan is because Michigan has a dominant offensive line and a very, very good front four, front seven on defense. That's something that it's not to say that Ohio State has a bad offensive line. That offensive line is built for pass protection. And you could see the difference when Mayan Williams had a hand injury to when they went to Travion Henderson. Henderson's a smaller guy. He's an excellent running back. Do not get me wrong. Um, but the game plan seemed to change because they needed a bigger running back who could break multiple tackles and get past the first and second line of the defense. Uh, that didn't necessarily happen with Travion Henderson. Hats off to Manny Diaz and, and the defense altogether because we haven't really seen much of that stout performance against the run. I was very impressed to mm -hmm. see that. But again, that's not necessarily what Ohio State wants to do. They want to drop back and they want to protect C.J. Stroud. And they have athletes galore. I mean, even the freaking tight end who's like 6'8", 400 pounds or something like that <laughs> is maybe one of the best athletes on the field. It was insane. So uh, that's why I liked it. And I think that's the big thing I see, Matt, in terms of the talent gap is that okay, I like the matchup of Penn State secondary against the receivers of Ohio State. Obviously, Marvin Harrison Jr. went absolutely berserk, but I still liked what the rest of the Penn State secondary did most of the game. Then you have the issue of what is going to continue to be the focus, I think, now for Penn State fans is the offensive line and the defensive line. While there is a lot of potential along both sides, I think more so on the defensive line than the offensive line, that's the big glaring issue for me in terms of the gap from Penn State to Michigan and Ohio State. Some will say it's athletes at the skill positions on offense. I don't even know if I was really that hung up on that. I don't know. What do you think? I agree. I, I completely agree with that because it's not. And that's that matchup you look for. Penn State's wide receivers versus Ohio State secondary. Penn State's secondary versus those, those Ohio State wide receivers. I mean, even, even mentioned Penn State's running backs. Nick Singleton, Catron Allen versus those linebackers and things like that. Those are all really good matchups and, and and matchups. You can make the argument for Ohio State. You can make the argument for Penn State. How about the game Parker Washington had or Tyler Warren? Like, you know what I mean? There's athletes there, Tom. That's not the problem. So for me, when when James talks about recruiting or getting bigger or, or you know, in, in certain positions and things like that, I always go back to the offensive line and what has made Penn State so special historically and Penn State dominant at times was big, tough, physical linemen, 
right? I talk about it a lot. It's 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 finding those kids that are really special athletes, obviously, but but these these big linemen, Tom, the, these Pennsylvania, Jersey, New York linemen that have dreamt of playing at Penn State and want to go to Penn State, right? Those are the guys that you need to find. And I just think, you know, when it, when it comes to that, you know, that they need to change the things they're doing in the recruiting process. It's fine to continue to recruit athletes, Tom. I get that you need that, this and that, but it's clear now what the problem is, right? And, and for me, when I, when I look at it and you're trying to become what Ohio State is, you're trying to make a run similar to what Michigan did a year ago. You've now lost two in a row to Michigan. And I, look, you know, back-to-back losses to Michigan, it is, it is what it is. He certainly won games against Michigan as well, but it's the way you've lost this past year. For me, that's concerning moving forward. That was, that, that was a beatdown, Tom, right? And it was everybody in the stadium knew what Michigan's game plan was going to be. It was a run the football. You still couldn't do anything to stop it. Um, and then obviously Ohio State, a game where you are matched up very well against them, but you still found a way to to lose the football game. Um, now ten and two, Tom. Again, we talked about it. That's a that's a that's a great yep. year. A lot of teams, not just in the Big Ten, but in America, would say be, beginning of the season, Tom. Hey, you can go ten and two right now. What do you think? Absolutely, that's a fantastic year for us. But Tom, is it okay to be 10, 10 and two? Is it okay to win ten games? But say, hey. We still lost to Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, it was weird. I, I did the Blue White Illustrated uh, live post game show with Thomas Frank Carr following the game, and, and a lot of people, which is odd, are not happy with what could be a ten and two finish in the regular season. And personally, I, I've said it for the bulk of this past season is that last year Penn State, and then the year before that, between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, was perfectly five hundred. Like those were not good seasons, and, and even though last year was a winning season, you got a nice bowl game out of it. I mean, ten and two is a nice leap. I think that that's the issue is that people are like, oh, well, you're hanging on moral victories, and everybody that is a diehard Penn State fan wants to see this team get into the college football playoff and get to the national championship. I think you're delusional if you came into this season expecting this team being capable of getting to the college football playoff and the national championship. I think you and I had an expectation when we did our predictions for this season, like eight and four, seven and five at worst, six and six, something like that. But like 10 and two, I'm like, I'm genuinely happy with there's now talk of Penn state being in a new year's six bowl game. You know, again, you know, that's a, that's not a bad thing, but the cynical fan is going to look at this Matt and say, players are going to start opting out. The bowl game doesn't matter. And the rest of the season doesn't matter because it's boom or bust. It's the national championship or nothing. Is that a fair stance for fans to take? I think at Penn State it is, Tom. And here's why for me. Penn State has always held itself to a higher standard. So the question you need to ask yourself is, are you okay winning the games you're supposed to win and losing the games that you're supposed to lose? And being nine and three moving forward, ten and two year in and year out, getting a New Year's Six bowl, but never having the chance maybe to beat the Ohio State's in Michigan, play for a Big Ten championship game, or make the college football playoff that only four teams get into as of right now. That's the question. Because for me, I'm not, I'm not okay with it. Right, Penn State at Penn State as a student athlete, you should hold yourself to a higher standard. As fans, you know you should expect this team 
year in and year out to compete for a Big Ten championship game because that's that's the impression that I'm getting from James mm-hmm. Franklin, this staff, and the football program. When you ask for brand new facilities, when you ask for money for your football program, when you're making $8.5 million a year, five-star, four-star, five-star, four-star, athlete, 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 Tom. Well, I mean, what else, what else is there Oh, I to agree do? with you, but I, I think this season, considering what the team is, if this team finishes yes. 10-2... and two, I'm quite happy. However, I still share your frustration in that. Yeah. Okay. When are we going to get over the hump? When mm-hmm. is Penn State going to get to that proverbial elite level that James Franklin's been talking about for four years now? It's very frustrating. I just think if you looked at this team coming into the season, you're like, oh, they're going to win the national title. You're nuts. This team is not built to do that. And I think that's been proven before they even played Michigan and Ohio State. Some of the struggles that they had against Central Michigan, the fact that they went on the road to Purdue and barely snuck that one out. This is a good team. It's it's a it can be a great team. (laughs) It's not an elite. Here's my. So were you at like and I just I just talked about this like when I when I look at it again, you know, 10 and 2 great. But those two losses and the ways that you lost them to teams that have been mm-hmm. to the playoff, have won the Big Ten. How big is that separation? It, to, yeah. Because at Michigan, it's big. Yeah. It was it's big really big. Year. To me, it's it's still quite sizable. I was talking to Justin King on Saturday uh, following the uh, loss to Ohio State. Uh, his belief is that it's rather close, and I was very interested to speak to Justin because he is a consultant on a lot of the recruiting that happens for Penn State, so guy's got his finger on the pulse. Uh, at the same time, just the way that Michigan just bodied Penn State, like it was just men versus boys at one point because they like to play that old school style of football where scheme doesn't really matter. It's more our guys are bigger, stronger, faster than your guys. So unless Penn State is able to compete at that level from an athletic standpoint, you talk about James Franklin recruiting athletes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then you look at Ohio State. Again, that's not their game plan. I'm not saying they're soft, but it's more about – the aerial attack, they're okay giving up some points, but as long as they get 40-plus, they're going to beat you. Uh, what blew me away, Matt, was the way in the fourth quarter that Ohio State just flipped the switch, and it was just yep. touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I think it was two touchdowns in 34 seconds. But, yeah, again, you look at four turnovers. You, you shoot yourself in the foot. Had Penn State not had four turnovers, do you beat Ohio State? I, I, if if you don't have the other two, if you just I had those two right initial ones in the of, first quarter, you're saying, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think you're right there. To, I think you're right there. Because remember, it was twenty three twenty one, and it was a sack fumble. Um, you know, and like people, like when I look at, you know, those happen, right? Those happen, you know. But I think <sighs> this is almost unfair to say in a way, Tom. But it's like we question the offensive line you know, in the way they play at times, like as a quarterback, you got to be cautious of where you're at in the pocket, how deep you're getting, knowing that you have tough matchups on the end. Right. Right. Always be where you got to push the pocket, push the pocket, knowing that DNs are taught to rush to your depth, right? Eight yards or so in the pocket, seven and a half, right? Um, when you get long, they're just going straight up field to where you're at and they can, they can knock that ball away. Um, you know, he tried to push the pocket, but you know, it was too late at that time. It was just a tough play in a tough moment in a tough situation. Um, but, you know, I think the questions now is, are going to become, Tom, that you're done in the East. 
you got no shot at winning the Big Ten. What does the rest of the season become now? I know we're talking about 10 and 2. Is it time? Will we see Allard before the season is over? Personally, I don't think you will. Uh, you'll see him yeah. get in there if Sean is hurt or something like that, or it's mop-up duty. But the the signal that James Franklin has put out a number of times is that he's sticking with Sean Clifford. He's very, very adamant in the lead up to the Ohio State game about uh, you know Sean Clifford was the offensive player of the week in the Big Ten after the Minnesota game. You know, made sure he made a point of that in his press conference. I understand uh, the fatigue people have with Sean Clifford, and I am in that camp 100%. Uh, I look at the the game against Ohio State, and I want your opinion on this. I know you talked about dropping back, but still, do you put all four of those turnovers? Granted, on the stat sheet, they all get allotted to Sean Clifford. Do you put them all exclusively, all the blame on Sean Clifford for those four turnovers? I don't. Tip balls happen. Right, plays like that happen. Was he late on the check down to the running back? Yeah, that's a that's a tough break. That that's a turnover. That's probably on him. But the other three, I mean, you can argue, you know, you're trying to get a low block on the one side here, right? You know, tip pick. Um, you know, I could sit here and say he needs to be more cautious of that, more aware. Of that, right? As a quarterback, Tom, you're taught to throw with different arm angles for stuff like that, right? So I may not be able to just stand here, turn and throw. I may, I may need to get more depth. That's one of the things he didn't do. He caught, turned, throw, right? Even in the even in the in the shotgun, when you're throwing that catch, boom, take a big step. I may be able to throw sidearm three quarters. A lot of times you're not gonna be able to just throw that ball normally overhand and have that perfect line for it. You know, once it happens once like that, I got to be like, yo, you know, whoever it was, Parker Washington, whoever it may be in that slot position or in that laser rocket area for the slip screen, Tom, I, I may have to say to them, yo, throttle down, create more space for me, right? Don't be in a rush to get upfield. I'm losing my throwing lane when you do that. We have time. It's a screen, remember, right? Take your time slow. Let me buy some time. I may need to buy depth so I can find an angle to throw for you. Just because it's a simple screen, left, right, inside, outside, whatever it may be, it doesn't mean you're just going to be able to catch it and get it there. right? That's the thing too. But again, it goes back to game plan. That's not the best team to run those against. Those guys are flying around. They're flying up field. Your job as a coordinator is to find ways to slow that pass rush down. Right? So, you know, quick game or running running back screens on the inside, you know, checking that guy and then slipping in and then just throwing dart, a dart right to him. Um, or even the threat of knowing it's there prevents those guys from rushing the way they do upfield. So, you know, it, it's not it, it's not all on Sean, right? At the end of the day, too, I'm, I'm going to blame the coordinator on some of that stuff as well. But here's the problem, Tom. You play quarterback, you play quarterback at Penn State, right? You know, things are going well. <laughs> you get all the credit. When they're not, it falls on you. So people don't see, you know, hey, he should have, you know, dirted the ball if there wasn't a throwing lane. Or, you know, all they see is three picks and a sack fumble and Penn State loss. I'll give a lot of credit to uh, Ohio State defensive end JT Tui Malau. Uh, Malau I hope wow. I'm saying that correctly. JTT, I'll call him that. Um, his, his game was otherworldly. His stat sheet was unbelievable. I, I could not 
understand how some a single person that was maybe one of the more dominant performances <laughs> since Chase Young played at Ohio State. It was it was breathtaking. What he did to the right tackle uh, multiple times, I think it was Bryce Effner both times, on the strip sack, he just manhandled him and got to Sean Clifford's depth, as you mentioned. And then he just tossed Effner and got a pick six. It, it was unbelievable. And I come back to, there's the gap. You know, everybody's talking yeah. about the quarterback of the future. You think you've got him in Drew Aller. And hell, you've got two other really good guys behind him in Christian Veyer and Bo Perbula. Whether or not those guys are on the roster going forward, we'll have to see what the offseason brings. But like, you should feel confident that, okay, we've got the guy of the future in Drew Aller. That's not really the question. The question is, can you protect him? And then do you have yeah. an offensive line that can uh, create more in the running game? Because you know, you have the horses now to do it. So I, I, that's my big worry. Here- you know, and here's the thing too, Tom, like again, an incredible game. Um, but like as an OC, as a head coach, it's got to be like, all right, we need to slow this guy down, right? He's not going to do this against us, right? They're what like running backs need to start chipping him. Running backs stay in for protection, tight end stay in for protection, short motion, tight end chip, things like that. You got to keep this guy's head on a swivel, left, right, left, right, right? He can't just have free access to beat up your tackles. All day long. For the majority of the game, he had that. So my question is, like, at what point is it just, like, are you stubborn to where you're saying, well, you know, hey, he's got to be able to do his job. I get that to a certain extent. But if my man's getting beat up all day, well, hang on. I got to help this dude out. What are we doing? I don't, like, and, like, that's, that's the stuff that I think about. Like, is it... Are you stubborn to the point where it's like, I'm just going to run. This is my offense. I want to run my offense. And if you can't operate within my offense, well, then that's not my fault. That's your fault. And that's not, it, that's not how it works. It's your job as a head coach. It's your job as an offensive coordinator. It's your job as a defensive coordinator to say, what does Tom Hannafin do extremely well? Well, he does that well. Great. Well, I need to play to his strengths then because we need this dude to win football games. He, where does he struggle? Well, he struggles here. Wait, so I may have to, you know, certain down and dis- distances. If Tom's playing corner, right, I may need to be able to cloud that side to help him out here. Or, you know, uh, not play man coverage in certain downs this week because it's a tough matchup for Tom, but things like that. Like th- those are the things that I think you have to do that. I don't think they've done enough of, you know, and especially when it comes to that offensive line. So let's come back to the point you were making about drew Aller. Do you see him start the rest of the way? You, you've brought it up before on this show. I think it's a valid yeah. point, whether or not fans want to hear it or not, is that the second, you know, if James Franklin is to get in front of the team, this week or next week, and Sean Clifford's healthy, and he says Drew Aller's the guy. Does is that waving a white flag on the season? Because I know a lot of fans will look at it as like, "Hey, we're not winning the national championship. Guys are going to opt out. It's a meaningless bowl game." You know, in the Lash Building, they don't think that. They think we're going to try and win the rest of these games. We're going to have a good bowl game, hopefully a win there. Um, but you, you know, they don't think like that. So. What's the likelihood in your mind that Drew Aller is named the starter in the next four weeks? Are you a fan of rivalries? Are you a fan of smack talk? Do you like to stand out from the crowd at tailgates? If so, head over to Smack Apparel and check out what their team has geared up for this football season. Their Let There Be White tee is the perfect gear for those famous whiteout games at Beaver Stadium. Or get straight to the point with the worst tee. For all the Ohio State haters out there, Smack Apparel makes the gear that'll have everyone asking where you got it. They have the must-have tees for all your teams, including pro football, baseball, 
basketball. Every fan is covered. Head over to their website, smackapparel.com, and use the promo code PAYDIRT at checkout for 10% off. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. This month is No Shave November, so visit maestrosclassic.com. That's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com all month long. You can get a free beard comb with any purchase of $25 or more. Just use the promo code FREECOMB. That's F-R-E-E-C-O-M-B. Also, a reminder, use our promo code PAYDIRT15, that's PAYDIRT15, at checkout for 15% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. I mean, it's such a tough situation. It's become a tough situation, right? Because in an ideal world, you know, he plays, 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 plays a little bit here, plays a little bit there. Sean rides the year out, you know. And they win ten games, wherever it may be. They would have had a you know maybe a shot to go to the Big Ten championship game, but get a great bowl, right? Drew Allar takes over in twenty twenty three as your quarterback of the Penn State Nittany Lions for the next three seasons, right? That's you know, but unfortunately they're not Penn State's not living in that world right now. So you have Indiana, Maryland, Rutgers, and Michigan State left, right? Four teams who certainly are competitive, um, but have have struggled at times. Um, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him start maybe the Michigan State game, the last game of the year, right? It depending on how these three other games go, Tom. For me, when I look at the Indiana game, this needs to be a beatdown. This has to be a beatdown, right? Though you think you certainly think of the word trap, trap game, right? But this is a team that's lost five in a row. Um you know, the past two years, they've really struggled. Two and 10 a year ago, they're currently three and five. You know, you, we wonder, and this is, you know, probably not because he's in a similar situation to James Franklin. Obviously, not that much yeah, money. Yeah, a giant buyout. I think it's, yeah. it, but I, I think it's maybe, you know, in the 20 range or whatever it is for Tom Allen. Um, you know, I thought he may be on the hot seat, um, but I think his buyout may be too high. Um, for that moving forward. But again, it's a well-coached team. They're ready to play week in and week out. But still, for me, it needs to be a beatdown. There's separation between one and two in the Big Ten, right? Michigan, Ohio State. But just how far are you from everybody else in the Big Ten now as well? I think you need to send that message like, all right, we may be a step or two behind Ohio State and Michigan, but we're a heck of a lot further ahead than everybody else in the Big Ten where we are right now. And you'll have the opportunity to prove that moving forward. Um, you know, I think Maryland's still a good football team. Now, I haven't seen any news recently on Talia. I know he didn't play the last game. It'll be interesting you know, to see what they do moving forward. I think they were off this weekend. Um, you know, Rutgers is another team that, that that'll come to play. And then Michigan State is a down year for them. So, but you have four opportunities to make a statement moving forward, Tom. But I think it'll be how you decide to make those statements. If it's close games, if it's still poor performances, um, you know, by your quarterback or inconsistent at times, things like that. I can see him getting at least one start, Tom, because here's here's the thing, too. If he goes in and he starts and he doesn't play well. All right, 14, go ahead, you're in. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Like it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, he's gotten play in situations where the game doesn't matter. 
But how does he do now that he sat in the bench for 10, 11 weeks here, has gone through almost a full season, and how does he run out of that tunnel and into the huddle for play one, snap one as the guy? How does he respond to that? Because if you're a coach, Tom, and you know you're done, it's like we still want to win every single game. Obviously, get to a fantastic bowl and have a great record, have a great year. But I got to know. I got to know what I have moving forward here just for a second. But now I think they're in a position to maybe be able to do that. What's worse for a Penn State fan, not seeing Drew Aller start any games the remainder of the season or kind of what you just outlined? He does start and it doesn't go well. Yeah. Because then it bursts the bubble that every, everybody yeah. believes it's going to be presto, everything's better, you've got a five-star yeah. recruited quarterback. I, and, and I can see him not I can see him not starting him just for that reason. Just he, he like you know what I mean doesn't want it to go bad or doesn't want him to not play well. Um I, I can see James just holding out on, on doing that um you know because of that. But look man, like you know, it, it's you're going to continue to deal with with this question, right? And you're going to continue to deal with the feedback and the criticism for the next four weeks of the season. Um, I, I just think at some point in time, it's gonna you're going to have to get to the point time where it's like, all right, this guy's got to be. We, we got to give him a snap one. You know, we we've seen enough to know where he can do that because he's not lost when he gets out there. He knows what he's doing. Everything's there, right? You know, um, and so it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. I mean, it's certainly, you know. They certainly have their chances to uh, to do so if they want within the next four weeks. Yeah, I'd, it, it's so tricky because like it's the difference between what you know of what James Franklin is going to do and is probably going to do. He's going to stick to his guns. He's stubborn. He's very loyal to his guys. So I personally have no expectation that Sean Clifford is going to be a healthy scratch. However, if he gets injured, I've drawn the comparison to what happened at Clemson a number of years ago. Kelly Bryant was the incumbent starter. He goes down, then time big-time recruit guy named Trevor Lawrence steps right in, and they wanted to get him in all along. And that was very <laughs> clear from camp. They wasted, they wasted no, no time. time. <laughs> Kelly Bryant, you know, fortuitously for them, gets injured, so they have the excuse. Trevor Lawrence goes in, and he never turns back. Kelly Bryant transfers to Missouri. I think that's the only way it happens, unfortunately. I know for yeah. Penn State fans, like, I know everybody wants to find the singular scapegoat for the shortcomings this season, and Sean Clifford has been an easy target, and God knows I've not been his biggest supporter. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to be, like, all of a sudden flipping a switch and Drew Aller goes in and everything's better. But I will say this. If you start Drew Aller the remaining four games or Sean Clifford, you still should win all four of those games. I really yes. – I would be stunned if Drew Aller started all four of those games and they somehow laid an egg offensively and lost all four of them. You know what I mean? That's my point too, Tom. You're in a position now where you can do that, but it's about being able to send the right message and crafting that message to be like, hey, this is why we're doing that. This is why Drew is going to start for us right now. We think he's earned the right to start a football game for us here. Um, he's played well at times. He's done everything we've asked him to do thus far this season here. Um, so we're going to give him the start here. Or it could be like it, it, you don't want to play this game because I don't believe in two-quarterback system either, oh, yeah. Tom. But again, you're in a spot too where you can be like, all right, Drew's going to play this first series here. We'll see how it goes, you know, and then we can always go to Sean. You know what I mean? Um you don't want to do that, but again, all four of these games, you're going to be favored in to win. 
you should win, whether you have your starter or a backup in there. And again, I mean, when you play Tom and you play well and you win, it does wonders for your confidence, you know, and especially a young guy, a young freshman who's just learning how to play, right? If he can rely on that run game, rely on the talent at the wide receiver spot, rely on that defense in, 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 in these, you know, next few games here, right? It's not new anymore for you then, right? You're not thinking about it throughout the spring, throughout training camp, and then next September taking the field for the first time as the guy. You already have the answer. You already know what it's like. So uh, we'll see. I mean, you know, I'm with you, though, when you say you don't expect them to do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happens for for one of those games. Oh, if they do, we're doing an emergency episode of this show because I'll be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's... And it's the other thing, you know, you take away from the Ohio State game. The defense looked very good. You made C.J. Yeah. Stroud think. Manny Diaz, I thought, called a really good game for the most part. I know, you know, speaking to Justin King uh, and and seeing fans on the Blue White Illustrated live postgame show, that people were, you know, calling for Joey Porter to have shadowed Marvin Harrison a lot faster than they made that adjustment. I don't think they made that change until the fourth quarter. And then in the fourth quarter, Ohio State goes no huddle and Penn State at that point defense been on the field a lot you're giving up a lot of short fields it it was the breaking point so I understand a lot of that uh one thing again that that you talk about the change with Aller and Clifford potentially right say say that happens Mm -hmm. is it then a mass exodus of guys opting out like mid-season I hope not right I I don't think so and I think a lot will depend on how the rest of the team feels about Drew Aller like, is it, is it one of those things, Tom, where week in and week out in practice, they're seeing the development, they're seeing the production in practice, they're seeing how he's approaching the game, right? Is he one of the first guys on the field? Is he running from drill to drill? Um, you know, is he spending time after practice throwing routes with guys? You know, is it one of those things where, you know, he's going up to, you know, the number three, four, five wide receiver, the number three tight end and saying, Hey, do you want to get some Mm -hmm. extra routes with me after practice? Guys see that coaches see that, you know, your teammates are going to be able to see that. So if it's one of those things where as a head coach, coordinator, quarterback coach, whatever it may be, you, you, you can, you can judge that pretty well and say, all right, I've no, I've watched this guy for the past nine, 10 weeks. Now I've seen how the team responds to him. I've seen what he's like in the huddle. The team rallies around him. Um, they're okay with this happening. They're good with this happening. They know why this needs to happen. They're, they're, this isn't one of those things, Tom. If you're James Franklin, you walk into the team meeting room and say, "Hey, Drew's our guy moving forward," and uh, and that's it. No, 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 no. That's not it. You need to explain the situation to every member of the team why we're doing this, what he's done throughout this this year, the strides he's made, um, you know, the good plays he's made, um, and then you also need to mention Sean and why you know you're not you know, going to play Sean. It, it could be one of those things where it's like Sean has done a tremendous job for this football program here. Um, he's won a lot of games for us here. Um, you know, uh, he's one of the most respected guys in this room. He's a captain. Um, but this is a time now where we need him to take a leadership role, right, and help 15 be the starter on Saturday. There's a right way to approach it, and I think if it's handled the right way and approached the right way, that the team will respond well to it, um, you know, and and there shouldn't be any you know, lack in production, you know, for, for these last four games. They're saying 
you know, again, this is all speculation, yeah. uh, but but still, it's the like, conversation that uh, you hope is happening in the Lash Building following this loss is that it wasn't yeah, a, in a point you it made. wasn't the demoralizing loss like you had to Michigan, but now to your point, you've lost to the two best teams in the Big Ten. You got four winnable games left. What do you do with that? Yes, that runway, the four winnable games, the four winnable games. You're right. That's what it is too. So it's like it, it it's. You know, it's certainly a tough situation because you don't want to bench a guy that has done a lot for you. Um, you know, you don't want him to end his senior year this way. But let's say, man, you know, it's it, it is what it is. It, it'll be interesting to see what they don't see. I don't see them doing it, you know, within the next two weeks or so. But I can see maybe the last game. Um, in regards to this weekend against Indiana, um, Indiana's a pass happy team. It reminds me a little bit of kind of the ratio that Northwestern likes to run with in terms of it's a lot more pass to set up the run. Uh, and even still, they don't run the ball terribly well. Their number one wide receiver, Cam Camper, is out for the year with a torn ACL. So that's going to hurt uh, quarterback Connor Bazelak. Bazelak averages about 47 attempts per game. <sighs> This seems like, and kind of like you were saying, an Indiana offense that plays right into the hands of what the Penn State defense is best at defending. Uh, the secondary phenomenal for Penn State, and meanwhile, we saw a lot from the pass rush um, against Ohio State and the creativity and blitzes and scheme from Manny Diaz that are encouraging. When you flip it, you know something you and I have talked about over the life of this podcast is that Tom Allen's defenses are always prepared, whether he's on the hot seat or not. Um, what do you expect to see from a Tom Allen Indiana Hoosier defense against the Penn State offense? offense four quarters of football right this is not one of those games tom where they're just going to show up and say hey we're three and five so we're just going to ride this season out and continue to not play well and lose football games tom allen is one of the more motivating coaches in the big 10 i mean he's created a really good culture there a really good atmosphere a really good environment at indiana yeah they're, they've they've struggled last year they're struggling a little bit this year now but don't think for one second this is a game you can show up in and just glide past Indiana. This is a game where I think you need to take an Ohio State pro approach. We know what our standard is. We know the way we should play, and we have to play to that standard, not Indiana standard. Right? Come out of the gate hot, make a statement, make an impression, um, and absolutely dominate this football game. Tom, this needs to be a 21 to 24 point game for me. Right? That's what they need to win by for them to say, all right, you know, we know who we are. We got stumbled up a week, uh, week ago against Ohio State here, but we're going to continue to play well. We're going to continue to dominate football games, right? You know, he's got Sean Clifford's got to be completion driven, find completions. Um, you know, it's not sustained drives. Look crisp, right? Look like everything, you know, he knows exactly what he's doing on every single play. Um, it's uh, it's not it's not one of those games where, you know, you can just kind of walk into the stadium, Tom, and get off to you know, a slow start and wait, you know, three, four, five drives and then say, all right, it's time to pick it up. You can't do that against this team. You mentioned Basilak's a very good quarterback. They've been caught in a lot of tough situations throughout this season where they've been behind. It's forced him to throw the ball a ton, a lot more than they like. I mean, and I think they've certainly uh, struggled to find their identity and who they are as, as an offense. Um, but this is a guy that can make big throws. So the last thing you want is is to go back and forth with this football team. Um, come out of the gate hot. Try to establish the run um, and and make a statement there from snap. The one thing, and again, I've harped on it in this show, is Penn State's offensive line. Um, Bryce Effner got manhandled a lot against Ohio State. You saw Chris come in at right tackle, which, you know, is not great. That's pretty far down on the depth chart. Then there's, you know, Landon Tangwall's been – 
MIA for a while, we assume due to injury. James Franklin does not release that information. And then Olu Fashanu at one point uh, came out of the game against Ohio State. Again, we'll have to see as the week goes on if that was indeed an injury. But if you've got three out of five positions dealing with injuries along the offensive line, you're fortunate (laughs) to be playing Indiana this week. But at the same time, Mm -hmm. you know what it's like being behind offensive lines where it's like it feels like Tetris. Well, and, and, and here's the thing, too, with that, Tom. I talked about Yersich earlier in game planning to to his strengths and his players' strengths. It's like, if we know we're banged up at the offensive line position here, we need to go more six-man pro, more seven-man pro, right? More, more heavy pass pro um, to help support these guys, right? We, we can't just continue to say, all right, and I get it. Look, next mm-hmm. man up mentality, you need to have that. But with that comes still game planning for who we have at those positions, game planning for our personnel. So if that's what's going to look like moving forward, I expect things to change a little bit for, for this. They offense. need to make some changes, period. <laughs> and there's a lot right? that needs yeah. to change. Um, Penn State is on the road against the Indiana Hoosiers this Saturday. The kickoff is at 3.30 p.m. Eastern live on ABC. Can Penn State get back in the win column after what was a moral victory, I guess you could say, against the Ohio State Buckeyes. Still a loss, but can they finish the rest of this slate? Can they get through uh, November 4-0? We're going to find out. Tune in, and we'll have the full recap for you right here. Thank you all so much for joining us. We'll be back on ESPN Radio State College on Mondays and Fridays from 4 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern for the remainder of the Penn State football season. If you want to check out the podcast version of this show presented by the Believe Network, this episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter at ESPN Radio 1037 at QB 11 and at Tom Hannafin. Pater is presented by Bet Online and by Funk Brewing. Thanks again, everyone, and join us next week for more Pater. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.